Hey, welcome to the latest episode of No Wristbands After Hours. We're excited to have Sean Campbell and Jen Sedini from Chirp Radio on the program. We're talking with them about their great quarterly storytelling show, The First Time. We hope you enjoy this one, and would love for everyone to check out The First Time Live at Martyrs on November 29th. Welcome back, everybody. It is your No Wristbands host, Mark Joyner, joined as always with Papa Novak. And we are here today for our newest episode of No Wristbands After Hours with Chirp Radio's Sean Campbell and Jen Sedini. Jen, first of all, did I get your last name right? Did, yeah. Okay, okay, great. Uh, so Jen and Sean are are very heavily involved with all things Chirp, and more importantly, the first time, which if you have not experienced it, Papa, why don't you tell us how it's like? It's a great experience. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah! Great storytelling, great music. Um, that's that's why. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, obviously, chirp is a, is a, is a great cause in and of itself. But but we got involved with the f- the first time because it's just a great great show. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to steal the lead from from our guests here, but it is a bringing together of I believe it's six different storytellers. Did I get that right? Is it always six? Yes. Okay, always six different storytellers who are telling a story about their first time, dot, dot, dot. And there is a theme associated with every episode. Uh, I cheated and looked at what this upcoming one is on the 29th of November. And uh, I actually don't know what the theme is, but I still knows what really it is. Host. First step. The first step. All right. So my first question is, how do you arrive at what the theme is for each each one? It's quarterly, correct? Right. <laughs> yep. Right. Random. Uh, we have a like we have a team of experts and bots. Well, no, we've arrived at the theme from anything from um, coming up with it five minutes before the show to announce <laughs> the next theme to a spreadsheet of prior themes. One time we did an audience participation, but Whoa. one of the things we try to think of is something that is provocative but open-ended because ultimately we want tellers to tell their best and strongest story and the theme is like you know a way to kind of um, act as a prompt to inspire creation but to keep the show you know cohesive. so like uh, I think when we first started this a long time ago even before I was involved it was a little bit more concrete like first car or first apartment and we've moved a little bit away from that to think of more creative uh, firsts that still fall in a in a natural first theme, you know, first step. You've heard of first, you know, mm-hmm. the phrase first step. So mm-hmm. that's that's why. And we on the production team kick around some ideas on a spreadsheet, and that's how we do it. That is the secret sauce. Uh, secret sauce. And then how do you find your six participants? E- equally. equally as uh equally as a you know uh scientific so we have a really great production team right now our director is uh, julie muller but she is stepping down as director but will still be with the production we hope in some capacity bobby evers is also a producer and then we have other people that join us to kind of you know we'll have open meetings with chirp radio and we can harness all of the creativity and knowledge of really this vast organization that sean has built of really passionate creative people and it is kind of just suggestions we go out and see shows we see who's good and one of the things that we always want to do and i think that 
something that Julie has been really committed to is having a truly diverse uh, mm-hmm. roster of storytellers, mm-hmm. not just in terms of how we think of, you know, DEI inclusion, like race and gender and, uh, you know, gender and sexuality and expression like that, but also people who are not necessarily routine storytellers or routine stand-ups. And you go yeah. to a lot of storytelling shows and it really is just sometimes like the same 10 <laughs> people over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. Whereas like, we're like, who's that interesting like chef or like who is a person who's worked in the, in the music scene for a long time that I bet they have some good stories to tell who are some older people who are sometimes shut out of these kind of events. Uh, and as, as Julie likes to say, like, is there like a hot firefighter we can get with a great story, you know, <laughs> but like <laughs> expand yeah, the idea of what, of what diversity means, I think in a roster. Yeah, there's people that aren't performers that have good stories to tell. So, right, exactly. And you're making people face their biggest fear, which is public speaking. So, yeah, you're doing everyone a, a solid there. Um, I I went to the last one, which uh was fantastic, and I was really struck by uh just how differently everybody approaches it. Right, like it's a it's definitely a, a jumping off point to talk about what I think you want to talk about, which I, I thought. I don't know what I was expecting going into it. I think I was like, people are just going to tell some cool stories. And it would like far surpassed uh, what my expectations were. So kudos to you guys for, for cultivating that. Um, how much work goes in behind the scenes to, to like put on a, a production like this? Like how far out do you start planning these things? Like, do you already have Q1's theme planned? And are you already reaching out to people for that? It's a lot. It's a lot. And I think that, you know, maybe, uh, Sean can talk a little bit more about what's on the back end just besides the production. So there's a lot of the marketing and stuff that I am not always privy to that involves, again, this like uh, really a collaboration across chirp departments. But in terms of just from production standpoint, it's a lot. Uh, We are working to have the themes and the dates more booked out. This took a bit of a hit during the pandemic. That Mm -hmm. show was basically on hiatus for two and a half, almost three years. But um, what, one of the things that we do is we do have like, you know, kind of a running roster of people. If there are people we are interested in, especially if they're not performers, we'll invite them as a comp to see a show to see if they're interested in down the line. So I would say that we're always sort of working on the next show. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously there's the band, which I think was brought to Chirp, the incredible band, which was brought to Chirp. Uh, by Sean. But Sean, if you want to talk about sort of some of the coordination. Sure. I mean, I think that the team does such an amazing job. And and like Jen said, they're going out, they're seeing other shows, they're just kind of collecting potential readers, storytellers. Um, sometimes storytellers come to us with an interest in doing the show, which That's I think really speaks to the reputation of the show. Yeah. Um, and I do think that a huge selling point in our show, and one of the things that sets it apart from others, is the band. Yes. And, you know, the band is Frisbee, you know, so they're a, a legitimate band on their own. And um, I've been friends with them for a long time. And uh, Stephen Liam from the band would play these gigs on Tuesday nights for a million years where they would just play covers. Uh, and and it just did it week after week, and they were so versatile and you know so like 
knowledgeable about all different kinds of music. And mm-hmm. for many years, I would go see them do these shows on a really regular basis. And so when it came time to, you know, kind of develop this idea for the first time, um, one of our event directors was also a big fan. And we thought, well, we need to figure out something we can do with these guys. And so the idea of having a band that would play a song that was related to uh, each of our storytellers pieces that they would choose and the band would know ahead of time, but no one else would know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just, they're just so great at being able to interpret any type of song. And I think sometimes some of our readers have been skeptics mm-hmm. about it, you know, um, and I don't know anybody who hasn't just been entirely won over by the performance of their song. Sure. They, <clears throat> yeah, I, they're amazing. I think yeah, what's interesting. In, oh, go ahead. In, in, incredibly musicians. I mean, going to the to, to the first time you get to see six songs per, performed by amazing musicians. They're they're fun on stage. You know, they're swapping instruments. I mean, it, just that itself is a great reason to go there. Plus, of course, the stories. So, and it's fun to. I I found myself during it when they were speaking, these stories were being told, being like, "What song are they going to choose?" Like, <laughs> exactly. One time I, like, I got like kind of close, and I was I felt like so accomplished. I was, like, trying to pat myself on the back. It well, was and a I think that's song. yeah. I think that's one of the really fun things about the show is you do try to predict it, and sometimes it can be really obvious, you know, where a story is really centered on mm-hmm. a specific song, but other times there are no musical references whatsoever in the story. (laughs) And you just think, what in the world is it going to be? And um, so it's always, that's always a fun thing to try to figure out what it will be. And I just, I never, I never want to know the songs in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I like to be surprised um, by the show. If I, if I could take just one quick minute to explain to your listeners the full premise of the show just because i think that's one of the hardest things to flesh out so we have the theme as mark explained the theme of a first so the first time then it's first step then we have our readers and then they do a story on the theme and then they pick a song to go with their story and the story can the song can be like sean said a part of the story it can be thematically a part of the story and then the amazing band Frisbee, a.k.a. the first time three in this context, then plays that song as soon as they finish the story. So as one person described it, it's almost like six openers for six great <laughs> for six great <laughs> cover songs, even though they're much more unified. And the band will play anything. I think that people have often asked me, like, oh, how do you pick the songs? We don't. The readers get to pick and mm-hmm. the band plays it which means we've had everything from theme songs to rap songs to, you know, pop songs, anything you can think of, and they can connect in any way. Like, I mean, even in silly ways, we had a, a, a story about a guy who was masturbating in the woods with friends and he picked Come Together as his song. <laughs> or it can be like something really, naturally, you know, yeah. right. Something really, <clears throat> really meaningful to the story. So I think that that surprise but one of the things that Sean and I talk about is it's a mouthful. It's such a good premise, but it's mm-hmm. so hard to communicate succinctly. <laughs> sure. like what's going yeah. on. It's a hell of an elevator pitch for sure. And, it, and uh, it's, it's certainly a, a, a big challenge for the first time three, because, you know, you're going, they're going to be following up with a song 
something that's completely hilarious that the audience is laughing the whole time or some sort of a political story or some sort of a tearjerker where you're ready to cry and they just have to follow that with a song and so you know they they have to be ready to uh, you know adjust to that mood that's going on yeah and it is a show that the mood does shift we always yeah. try to have you know some lighthearted stories and and you know some that are very heartfelt and mm-hmm. um but you know sometimes shows take different directions because sure. you never know what people's stories are going to be in advance and uh so you never know what you're going to get but it is it's it's a show that i really feel like you need to go see it and you know i'm not just saying that as a marketing tool <laughs> sure. but it, yeah. as as jen was saying it's hard to describe and get the full impact of it and Every time I bring someone to the show, I think their reaction is kind of what what you guys have been saying here. They're like, oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really get the full thing. Yeah. And, and everybody that I've ever brought to the show always comes back on their own, you know, without my yeah. dragging them there or right. anything. I think <laughs> it's a show. It really speaks for itself, but yeah. it, it can be hard to explain. And you have to have a really great host to tie it all together. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're uh, really lucky to have one. Yeah. Oh, we may you. we may have her on this on this call right now. Uh, yeah. Jen, did how did you happen to become the host of this? Was it always your ambition to be like, I want to host that? Did you perform? Then they're like, hey, you'd be a great host. Did it just people were like, hey, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to do this. No, it's a great story. Actually, I was cleaning the studio with Sean at Chirp Radio <laughs> and <laughs> They were transitioning the first time from the former host. I I was not the founding host. And I was like, oh, you know, I like did the moth and stuff. I actually won. And Sean was like, huh. Then she put out a call for people to pitch themselves (laughs) to be a host. And I ended up being selected. And uh, I think it's I think it's worked out well. I think partially like my prior involvement in Chirp that had nothing to do with that. So really Mm -hmm. like a belief in the station. I actually didn't start doing the storyteller stuff until after I had started with uh, Chirp. So yeah, it sort of just, it sort of just fell, fell together. I wish I could say there was like a rigorous uh, audition process, but I don't know, Sean, why'd you pick me? (laughs) I just, I, I just felt so fortunate because Again, we were looking for a new host, and I had no idea that Jen did storytelling, that she was a moth story slam champion. Um, And so when she said she was interested, I was thrilled because Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, we're going to have to really, you know, go through a lot of people and have people do auditions. And I don't know that we'll have somebody who will be able to step in right away comfortably. So it it was really great. And um, at that same time, we, we moved the show to Martyrs as well. And that's been the home for the show now for, well, we were trying to figure out what it was the other day or 10 years, about 10, yeah, about 10 years. And, um, you know, before that it had migrated around to some different venues. And I think that Martyrs has been a really comfortable place for it. It's a good space. Um, you know, we enjoy working with the staff and it just, it's sort of a good fit for the type of show that it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, 
Jen, how do you like thread that needle to keep everything together during these shows? Because you have, like Sean said, highs and lows, you know, very emotional stories, very funny stories, very serious stories, very silly stories. How do you keep that momentum going and like go from piece to piece? Uh, So one thing that we do that I think gives the show a higher production value is that we do host a workshop before we uh actually to you know tell the stories so the band doesn't know really what the theme of the stories will be but we do and we really try to work uh with the readers to have a beginning middle and end not all of them come not all of them stay within time but we do at least have a sense of what those stories are going to be and so there is a lot of thought that goes into like how we line them up so i'm not doing back to back aunt died of cancer stories mm-hmm. or something like that, you right. know, so that there is some sort of uh, weaving to it. And then, you know, I do my best. Sometimes I, uh, you know, sometimes I can keep it tight. Sometimes it's, sometimes I stumble, but I think by having that, by at least having a game plan that helps, that helps a little bit. And I think that that is also something that when you go see a more impromptu storytelling show, that you see hosts kind of fumble with. So Mm -hmm. we get a little behind the scenes that I think helps. And we started doing that because I had performed a storytelling show when I was doing a lot of those kind of shows. Again, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of those have taken some hits back into it. But uh, I went to a show that we did a workshop before and I was like, why don't like live lit shows offer this it Mm -hmm. seems so self-evident to do yeah right right because the reason why like oh yeah i i can only imagine you know and especially for those those storytellers who aren't storytellers capital s you know who maybe never done a show before um you know it really it lets them get together with each other a little bit and also just you know it's a it's a practice it's a workshop and so you're not just going on completely cold yeah uh and i would say the the one i went to the most recent one in i think it was in september uh it everyone came off like very very polished and i was like i mean like you could tell that they had like worked on it right prepared yeah oh i wrote this thing i'm gonna go stand up there and read it verbatim because i think i always have these aspirations that i can like a one take kind of guy. If I write something down, I can just like regurgitate it. And then I get like halfway through it. I'm like, why did I do this? But <laughs> kudos to you guys. It's very well. It's a streamlined process. Uh, Jen, do, do you so, have any stories of, of, uh, you know, performances, stories that just like went in a completely different direction than what you were expecting or just went off the rails? Oh yeah. Uh, fortunately not too often but we had one How much time you who years ago who didn't come to the show and he was sort of like a well-known comedian at the time so we're like we don't have to worry about him no names mentioned mm-hmm. and then he told i would say what is like uh, a pretty like not funny and somewhat offensive story where like um i had two friends with me one was a uh, like a a fat woman and one was a trans woman and they were kind of like oh who which one of us is going to be the punchline at the end of this <laughs> story you know what yeah. i mean and so it was really like uh you know i had to i had to weave my way out of that by sort of like poking a little bit of fun 
at it and trying to respectfully yeah. move on. Yeah. We've had people who just ramble on forever, no matter how many times <laughs> Julie tells them a hundred times to keep it in time. Uh-huh. People who just get a little bit, a little bit carried away. Uh, and I think that that is the biggest, that's the, one of the actually biggest issues of the show is the time. Uh-huh. It's timekeeping. Yeah. John, do you have any stories of when it went off the rails? You probably um. You know, I don't think it it was off the rails, but like one that always sticks with me um, just because of the contrast um, was we had we had Len Casper, who at the time was, uh, you know, the TV voice of the Cubs. And he told this really heartfelt, like just like kind of all American story about how he had, you know, wanted to, always loved baseball and had grown up, you know, listening to baseball on the radio and he got his first job in baseball and, um, and it was Ernie Harwell um, of the Detroit Tigers who was the, who he listened to growing up and how he called to congratulate him and just what a moving experience it was. So it was like this very sincere, heartfelt story by somebody who, hadn't ever seen the show. It was really high profile. And then the story that followed him was just the filthiest. <laughs> like, just like, just like kind of the most graphic, um, just like, or, or, you know, like it, it just the contrast uh-huh. was hilarious. And they were yeah. both great. They were both great stories, but it just really got it. Like, wow. Th- th- those are again, two very yeah. different kinds of, sure. of true stories. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, do you ever have, and then we'll move on from like, tell me about a time when uh, <clears throat> you ever have people who like just go completely off, go like completely rogue. They, like, they wrote one thing and then they're like, just kidding. I'm going to talk about something else completely different. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think okay. we've had someone go completely rogue. We've certainly had someone like kind of give us a story and then it goes a totally different direction that maybe mm-hmm. I, don't i do or don't like but for the most part people kind of stick to the topics and i will say that like you know it's kind of our job as producers to almost be a little bit like harsh about it and i'm always impressed with how everything ends up you know coming out there's a lot of julie and i being like well where where could we cut this story if we were you know cutting it and then it 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 all we're lucky in the sense that it's usually, you know, knock on wood. I'm worried that you guys are asking these questions. One of the interesting things is that, of course, you're choosing very diverse storytellers. You got six completely different people. That's also generally reflected in the audience, too, because, you know, friends of theirs come, people that like them and like their style, whatever. So you sort of have six different types of people in the audience too, or, you know, whatever. I mean, just it's, it's not the, the homogenous type of audience that you might get at a, at a concert or something like that. So, uh, you know, people are going to take stories in different ways, depending on, you know, what their background is. Definitely. And I think sometimes you do look around and you'll see like some people who are in the audience are clearly like, you know, um, maybe somebody's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know? right. <laughs> um, and, it, and and you do think about like, well, how are they going to react to some of these other stories or, you know, just, yeah, very different experiences. But I think in yeah, general, the, the, again, the filthy storytellers, mom and dad were bored by Len Casper. Yeah, ex- right. Exactly. 
That's and always poor, my concern. And poor Len, you know, still has recovery. He had to go to the south side to uh, get better. You know? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do know one of the one of those storytellers who does stories like that that are pretty filthy. Who's talented? Do, I do see his parents at shows actually. Mm-hmm. They support it. <laughs> yeah. Unlike I me, whose mom is totally completely offline, and whose dad if he's ever listened, has never mentioned it. And I never give him the links and I never want him to know my, uh, you know, very, uh, very intense Italian American father. He doesn't need to hear any of my anecdotes. None, there you go. Zero. <laughs> well, you heard enough of them growing up, right? Um, sure. Let's just say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sean, uh, I'm, well, actually this question is for both of you, but uh, how does the first time fit into the bigger picture of, of Chirp's mission? Um, well, a few different ways. I think that, you know, we when we talk about Chirp, we talk about it being Chicago's independent music, arts, and culture. So in a way, the the show brings all of those things together mm-hmm. and, and more because, mm-hmm. again, there are some people who, you know, aren't involved in the arts at all. They might be a dentist or something who, but, you know, they're being part of this show. And by being part of the show, they you know, they are part of uh, of that vision. But um, I think it really does, you know, again, we also talked about connecting communities and everything that we've been talking about here, where we have this really diverse cross section of kind of what what Chicago looks like, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is, is really representative. And I think in some ways, more than any other event that we do, I, I think that the first time represents kind of what we strive for, what we strive to be as mm-hmm. not just a radio station, but a community organization. And I think that also it just is really a great reflection of what a volunteer-driven organization can do. Mm-hmm. Our, our first-time team is so amazing, and they put in so much work. And I think it's funny to me because over the years – um, you know, with the first time with other things that we do, people will make these comments, um, you know, like, well, you know, it, like people who work for other small nonprofits will be like, well, you know, I mean, you have such a big staff at CHIRP or, you know, it must, you know, we're, we're not, mm-hmm. a, we're not, a, somebody once said to me, we're not a million dollar organization <laughs> like CHIRP. And I'm like, CHIRP <laughs> is not yeah. anywhere near a million dollar organization, but, you know, we do put on, on these events that are, are really cool and are really, there's there's a ton of love and passion and mm-hmm. work put into them. And people aren't doing this because it's their job. They're doing right. it because they just care about it and want to produce great events. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's just really what we want to be all about at, at CHIRP. Yeah, yeah, that's I one think. of that's one of the beauties of having volunteers that have bought into your whole mission. So, yeah, Definitely. having talented staff like Jen, who just happen to be moth champions, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I think that the the world is incredibly lucky to have someone like Sean, whose incredible organization talents could be, you know, at McKinsey making $700,000 a year, but instead has, you know, she's a savant at getting people to, you know, commit themselves mm-hmm. to this, to have volunteers that are, are, are willing, care enough to, to slog through data entry and marketing mm-hmm. and making flyers all to make something so great that we all do for free. It's really yeah. tremendous. Any right. organization would be 
I mean, thrilled to have her talents and the fact that it does all all come together like this, I think is really a testament, not just to like the random passion people have for the station or for, you know, independent music, but for Sean's organizational skills. And I think that that's always something to be noted. And, you know, the other first time members who are, who, who have better organizational yeah. skills. Wow. Look at that. Well, the, the, this would oh. be an appropriate time to mention that Sean was the guest on our initial <laughs> our first, show, our, our first, first show. Episode. And so, yeah. you know, if, if people listening to this want to know more about chirp, they can certainly listen to our first episode because yeah. Sean goes through the whole thing and it's amazing. She held our hand through the whole thing and look at yes. us now. Couple yes. Of years still doing yeah. It. <laughs> this is our just, we just wanted to back to our wages to give Sean compliments. So <laughs> Sean, you're a true, coalition builder i think it's a very impressive yeah, yeah. Oh, um, sure. thank you this is just thanks like, for thanks for sticking with the much poorly paid light side as opposed to the dark side <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah this but like, i i can get up at 10 30 in the morning though the dream right there <laughs> oh man uh this is way too happy now i feel like we are it's like too way too wholesome so um it is pretty wholesome i know one last uh question for the about the first time then just a silly question we'll get on out of here so um <clears throat> the next show is november 29th at martyrs at 7 30 p.m uh what can what can people expect six stories six songs who you got on the show yeah who do you got assuming everyone shows up we got a great uh we've got sherman dilla thomas who is a TikTok legend who does the chicago urban historian mm -hmm. uh everything dope started in chicago right yeah and that's that's uh that's great we got james swanberg we've got um shannon downey an arts activist and author edward kelsey moore who's a novelist and cellist uh sonal agarwal who's like a very funny comedian i've seen her and chirp's own DJ and new newest member of the production team, Andy Vassian, who is going to be doing a story. Oh yeah. That is one thing we always do like to have one shirt volunteer as one of the storytellers awesome. as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's great. Getting the TikTok people involved. Like we had one, we had a uh, one last time, like, yeah, like TikTok is real. There's like <laughs> actual young people who are on it. They right. do what these people say. They have like, amazing parasocial relationships and totally come out and uh huge reach also i learned tiktok pays pretty well you get like 80 cents to a dollar for every thousand views so some of these people who with like just a handful of viral videos are making like a solid six figures wow wow here, so. we gotta change up what we're doing Papa. yeah this show's I going to take it to totally TikTok. tiktok that's it <laughs> yeah i think we definitely appeal to the younger demographic oh, yeah. for sure definitely uh awesome well i'm super super excited again the theme is uh the first time first step correct uh yes uh okay but i'm gonna ask one silly question i'm gonna ask you guys so you can start thinking about now uh if you want to plug anything chirp related over the next uh let's say couple of months we'll say to the end of the year uh so my silly question is i always like to ask a chicago-based question uh so what is your preference jen uh we're you know what sean thinks are you a thick like deep dish fan or are you a, a chicago thin crust aka tavern style fan a pizza dear god a funny <laughs> story i was just in rhode island and i probably had an egg deep dish pizza in like 
12 years. And my friend in Rhode Island insisted we go to the Providence Pizzeria Uno. I was like, oh, really? I flew all of this way. You know what? <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It's a pretty <laughs> sweet crust. So I'm gonna lean towards I'm gonna lean towards the indulgency of of deep dish. But okay. once you know. every twelve years at least. And now is not yeah. the time to tell you Pizzeria Uno sponsors this podcast, right? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, Wasn't as then, bad as I thought. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> put, put that right on the on the ads. Um, Great slogan. All right. So, Sean and Jen, anything chirp related? Just the first time related? Anything you would like to plug on our way out the door right now? The virtual sure. Things that um, things have quieted down a bit for us here at the end of the year, but we still have some of our regular monthly chirp events going on. So on November 21st, it's chirp music trivia and our theme. We do this at Beer Miscuous. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I went uh, a couple of times ago. It was amazing. Oh, nice. Um, so we've got a Thanksgiving theme for this one. It's uh, food tunes. And uh, our DJ Moy Moy, who is our host, is inviting people to bring snacks so we can have a potluck. Wow. So that's on November 21st at Beer Miscuous. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, again, the first time on the 29th. And then Chirp Night at the Whistler, which is a monthly series that we do where we feature two kind of up and coming local bands and it's always free. The Whistler has amazing cocktails. We've been partners with the Whistler since before the station even launched. So all the way back oh, to wow. 2009 um, when they were just starting and we were just starting. We share, we're very close to sharing a birthday. Um, <laughs> and so Chirp Night at the Whistler, December 5th, it's the first Tuesday of the month. And uh, that'll be with Flotone and Mihil Hell. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Well, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Jen, anything you'd like to, to plug? I would just one last reason why we should be coming to first time. Firsttime.chirpradio.org. Uh, check out check out the website. Check out, oh, see people before they become fa- more famous than there me. You like, oh, you can go on the website, see, like, Sarah Sherman was on it. She's on SNL now. Oh, like, yes, so many. Is. Yeah. So get in. Like, be cool. Be <laughs> right. Be cool. <laughs> right. Get on that ground floor. I yeah, love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited about Sherman Dilla Thomas. I'm yeah, looking yeah. forward to his story. Uh, yeah. My my wife's aunt, uh, whenever she she went on like that tour that he does on the South Side, and oh, awesome. she's from Wilmette, uh, and she loves to throw out the air quotes when she says Dilla. She'll be like, "I was at Dilla's tour," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I can't, I can't wait." As soon as I saw it earlier today, when I saw that he was going to be on, I'm like, "We got to let her know." She yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, bring her along. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, mm-hmm. Jen and Sean. This has been very informative. Super excited for the next first time. A weird sentence to say, but on the 29th of November at 7.30 p.m. at Martyrs. Martyrs. Again, so see you all there. I hope, you thank know, you both there. so much. Yep. Yeah. yeah take we, care. We, we really appreciate your support. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. For sure. Yep. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands, and check out our website at NoWristbands.com. Wristbands.com.